So a few weeks ago, we started this journey through the wilderness as a community. We started with the Israelites, who at the time were known as Hebrews, and they had not had any other identity associated with them, such as Israelites or Jews. And so we know that according to scripture that we talked about is that there was this place that God wanted them to focus on building their community. And one of the most genius places that God decides to send this nation, this group who had just come out of slavery that he had hand-delivered himself, he decides to send them to the wilderness. Not exactly your first choice, right? Not exactly your number one vacation spot that you would pick. If you look to go build community or want to go build with your family, of course you want to go somewhere nice and somewhere pleasant. And God sends them to the wilderness, and it wasn't full of trees and shrubbery and, you know, running rivers and, you know, it just wasn't waterfalls and fantastic. It was a desert, (laughs) a lot of dry desert, hot, dry desert. It was a very unpleasant place. If we study the story and we read through the scriptures, we begin to understand that it was a a dangerous place, that it was a very uncomfortable place. And we discovered over the course of a few weeks that as this group of Hebrews, these survivors, no longer victims, they come out of the wilderness, as they are walking through the wilderness together, they're being hard pressed by the Lord himself. He's allowing things to happen to mold them and to shape them into the nation that he wants them to become. And out of it, they come out of that wilderness with a faith. They come out of the wilderness with the scriptures. They come out of the wilderness of knowing who God is as he sets this example to show that there is no other God. There is no other God that has the ability to deliver them except one, and that is the Lord himself. And so we, we started uh, a few weeks ago with the, the Hebrews at Pesach, or what is known as Passover. And we sat with the, the Hebrews at the time through Passover, and we began to look at that. And what we came to understand as a community here that we learned from them is the importance of shared stories, that we need to engage with one another and begin to share our stories and begin to get to know each other better if we're to travel together as a community, just like the Israelites. And then Pastor Jack took us and he not only led us out of Passover or Pesach, and he led us to the Red Sea, where we see this miraculous movement happen of God parting the Red Sea and delivering this entire group of Hebrews through the Red Sea and destroys the entire Egyptian army, including Pharaoh, their previous people who had put them into slavery and tried with all intention to destroy them. And they come out victorious. And they lead us into the wilderness and we find ourselves at the tent of meeting, which God had instructed Moses and the Israelites to erect a physical temple, a tent-like place where you will worship me. I need a place where my presence can dwell temporarily. And so 
Pastor Jack took us there to where we got to the tent of meeting and we learned from the Israelites that in the midst of the wilderness, we have to learn to share our experiences, that we are not intended to journey together by ourselves, but we are intended from God himself, the way he created us was that we would get together, share our stories, and then begin to experience life together and not alone. And last week, Pastor Nicole spent time taking us with the Israelites and as she took us a roundabout way back over to Jethro, to the father-in-law of Moses. And she began to unpack that scripture, just some very simple yet powerful scripture, and talked about how Jethro understood the importance of shared value. And what we could take away from this with the Israelite community was that not only is it important for us to share our stories, not only is it important for us as a community to experience life together, but once we're in the thick of it, once things get a little crazy, we were challenged through the word that what would happen if we began to value each other above ourselves? What would begin to happen if we started to celebrate one another instead of just celebrating us? And that leads us up to this last week where we're making it out of the wilderness with the Israelites. And so fast forward with me, we've come out of the wilderness and we're stationed, we're encamped right now at the bank of the Jordan River. We're on the cusp, we can smell it in the air, we can taste it with our lips, we're almost about to touch the promised land that God had promised the forefathers of Israel since the beginning of time when he made covenant with them. And here the Israelites are on the bank of the Jordan. They're out of the wilderness. And at this time, Joshua, a young leader, has been commissioned by Moses before Moses passes. And he says, Joshua, you're going to be the one to take the Israelites across the Jordan and move into the promised land. And we, as we read it unfolds, we begin to see that Moses passes away. And he had a pretty intense funeral. If you read about it, it's extremely powerful. God himself shows up to the funeral. It's just God and Moses. And God chooses the burial place and no one knows. And God buries Moses himself. That's pretty intense. And so here Joshua and the Israelites are left. And they've just completed several weeks of mourning the death of Moses. And they've been waiting for this, this process of mourning to come to a finish before they can move across the Jordan. And so this morning, we're going to be stationed out at the base of the Jordan River. And I'm going to invite you to camp out with me haha, in Scripture this morning in Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3, you can follow along in your outline. You can follow along on the screen. You can pick up your physical Bible and actually look at it. But Joshua chapter 3, verse 1 through 4 says this. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Sheeta and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. 
but keep a distance, about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. So here we have the Old Testament alarm clock goes off. And word gets out through the camp that the Lord himself has given instruction to the nation of Israel, who is now this nation, the nation of Israel. And he personally sends a message through the commander-in-chief, Joshua, over the nation of Israel. And he says, listen, it's time to go. It's time to pack up, and it's time to cross over. It's time to enter the promised land. What we have been waiting for, what we've been excited about, this is our moment, everybody. So let's get to it. But then he gives us some very specific instruction. And I want to make sure that we don't miss out the application in which Joshua gives the Israelites, because not only does this apply to the Israelites, but it applies to us as a community. And it's this. Our shared journey must include God or we're just another group of people. Our shared journey must include God, or we're just another group of people. The whole intention of God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit, the whole intention of their heart is that their people, his people, not only journey together, but they allow him to lead. They allow him to lead. If we are going to be a community that not only shares our stories, shares and experiences life together, values one another, we have to be a community that allows God to lead us. We have to be a community that we allow God to lead us in our everyday life so that when we come back together on Sundays, we're all in unison and we allow him to take the lead. Something I was processing as I was reading through this scripture over and over and over again, I came to realize this. Now, hear me how I say this, because I'll explain it. But there is no room for man at the top of God's order. Now, some of you are like, no, wait, wait, wait a minute, man. Wait, wait, no, no. God establishes authority, and he puts that in place, and man is, yes, I agree 100%. But you know what? There's man, and then the only one that ever tops it is God himself. God has to go first. God has to go first, not us. We don't lead the way. God leads the way. If you look at what's stated in this scripture with Joshua, is Joshua gets the direct orders from God, and they're simply this. Follow the priesthood. Follow the Ark of the Covenant. Follow my presence. It goes first. Joshua didn't come back to the Israelites and be like, okay, guys, here's the deal. Me and God, we were chatting it up. We were talking about it. And, um, you know, we just don't really agree on this. So we're just going to do something a little bit different. You know, he always wants us to take the Ark ahead. You know what, today I'm just not feeling it. I think, I think we're just going to put him in the back. Joshua understood there was absolutely no room for that. There wasn't even a moment where it would enter his mind because he understood the importance and criticalness that no matter what, no matter where he goes individually or where they go together as a community, God always leads first. The presence always leads first. 
And there was a distinction between Israel and all the other nations. There was a clear distinction that set them apart from everybody else. And it was the presence of God. It was the Lord's presence. That they came into a place of agreement that said, we will not move unless you move first. We won't go anywhere. We won't make any decisions until you make the decision, and then we will follow it. And I'm going to remind us here today that we're not just another group of people. We're not another social club. The world has enough social clubs. The world needs a community that is set apart by the presence of God. That when they look at us, they're not like, oh, those are those social club people that go to church on Sunday. No, that's not the case. They look at us and they say, wow, there's something different about that group of people. There's something different about that community of faith. You know what? Even when they're not together, there's something about them individually. There's a presence about them that is different from what you and I have. And I want to have that presence. And that begins to happen when we allow him to go before us in everything that we do. And this means that our personal holiness affects community. Personal holiness affects community. Now, you know me, I like to keep it real. I'm going to be straight up. Nothing new there, right? The older I get, the more I realize I don't have time to waste. So I'm just going to just throw it out there and we deal with it as it comes. The word holiness, though, has become very awkward within the body of Christ. It's become an awkward word. We're comfortable singing about it. We're comfortable telling people that we read it in Scripture. But when it comes down to living it out and talking about it among each other, it becomes very awkward. And that's our fault. It's not God's fault. It's our fault. That word holiness comes from the word hagios. You translate the word hagios, it actually means the word awful. That's where we get the word awesome from. I know, right? Awful, awesome. Doesn't make sense, right? But it does to God. Because when the holiness of God hits you, and when you are convicted by the Holy Spirit to begin to live a life that is righteous and a life that is holy before the Lord, living the right way, living according to his commandments, and when you begin to live that way, the awfulness, the intensity of his glory, which contradicts and makes us feel awful inside, begins to overtake us and it begins to become awesome because of what it is taking care of inside. The holiness, the presence of God within us begins to eradicate the sin that is within inside of us. And what was awful now becomes awesome. Can we just say that word a moment? Awesome. No, no, like say it like you're really excited about it. Awesome. Like you got, you got to like, uh, uh, awesome, right? You got to like, this is something to be excited about. I don't know about you, but I want to be awesome on the inside. I don't think any of us wake up in the morning and we look in the mirror like, great, you know what? Hey, it's Tuesday. I can't wait to feel awful inside. It's going to be fantastic. 
No, we, we want to yearn to feel awesome. We want to wake up every morning feeling awesome. And that only happens with the presence of God. Holiness also means other than. It means that what is inside us should be other than. Other than. It shouldn't be the norm of culture. It should be other than. So, so why all the hype about personal holiness, right? Isn't there the grace of God? Right? Aren't we covered under grace? No, we're covered under mercy. Mercy means that we don't get what we deserve. And grace is a catalyst that brings us back to the presence of God, that we don't have to have shame to come back to ask for forgiveness and repent because he was merciful to us and not giving us what we really deserve. So why all the hype about personal holiness? Well, Joshua tells us in in chapter 3, verse 5. Let's look at it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. That word consecrate, circle it on your notes. Put a square around it. Put a triangle. Put your favorite shape. Just, just focus on that word for a moment, that word concentrate. Con- con- concentrate on the word consecrate. <laughs> it means to set yourself apart. And it means that not only do you set yourself apart, but you treat yourself as sacred. Think about that for a moment. So God says to Joshua, go tell my community, go tell my nation to consecrate themselves. Go tell my nation to set themselves apart and see themselves as sacred because tomorrow I'm going to do amazing things. Notice that God did not say, hey, tell them it's a free-for-all tonight because tomorrow, boo, I'm going to do some amazing things. Tell them, go well, do whatever they want to. Tell them, go ahead. Do whatever they want. It's all good. It's all good. Don't worry. It's all good because tomorrow I'm going to do some amazing things and then for sure they'll definitely see me as their God and turn to me. God says to them, set yourselves apart as sacred because your personal holiness affects the community and how the Lord moves. That's a tough one to swallow, right? Especially when holiness is awkward. Look, reality is is this. We all have sin in our lives. We all deal with sin on a regular basis. I deal with it just as much as you do. I'm no different than you. I have a title in front of my name. That's about the only difference. Yours says Mr. Yours says Mrs. Mine says Pastor. Yours says Doctor. But at the end of the day, let me tell you this. We are community. We are human. And we have sin. But that doesn't give us the right not to pursue personal holiness. Because when God says it to us, consecrate yourselves, set your part of selves, set yourselves apart as sacred, he's telling us because it's possible. And when we set ourselves apart as sacred, then amazing things will begin to happen. But it doesn't go the other way around. We don't wait for God to show up and do awesome and amazing things. And then we say, oh, wow, your glory. Wow, 
Ah, I need to be holy. Doesn't work like that. Have you ever thought what would happen if Israel chose not to consecrate themselves? Would the Jordan really have parted? Would he have given them favor among the Canaanites and the Hivites and all the ites? Would he really have given them favor? Would he really have blessed it? Would they really have conquered the land? Would he, what, what would he really have done? It's just a question, something to ponder, something to think about, something to stir in our spirit. But then let's take it from Israel and bring it down to us. What would happen if we choose not to live in holiness? Things change, right? When we choose not to live in holiness, we change our view of God and we create him in our image instead of being created in his image. When we choose not to live a life of personal holiness, then that means we begin to change up things. We begin to change up our moral standards. And instead of God's moral standards, we adopt our own moral standards and expect him to bless it or extend grace and mercy when it just doesn't work out. Change our families change the way we worship. And you know what happens? I've, I've noticed this thing in scripture, this pattern that God establishes, which is pretty interesting. When man would begin to change or attempt to change God and his ways, the word idolatry would come up. And there's this one thing that God is very, very passionate about. Idolatry and not in a good way. <laughs> he hates it. And the word hate to God is, is pretty big because he told his nation and said, look guys, I'm delivering you out of a nation that is filled with all of these lowercase gods and I'm about to break open and bust it down and show you that there is only one God. And you know what? That just wasn't for Israel, it was for all of us. And God comes to us and he says, hey, look, here's the deal. I don't want any other gods before you, including yourself. He says, I don't want you committing adultery, not adultery, but idolatry with yourself. You can't put yourself above me because I am God. And when we begin to not live a life of holiness, we begin to switch things around and we begin to change things up and it puts us in a place where we are seen as God. And God says it's not going to happen. First Peter 1.16 says this, so simple but powerful, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. The Lord will never command us to do something that's impossible. Think about that. He'll never call us to do something or a commandment that's impossible. And if we have culture breathing down our neck telling us that holiness and all that stuff is only Old Testament, well, I just showed you that it's in the New Testament too, which means it's totally attainable. We can do this. We can do this. And so if, if we value each other, then we can celebrate holiness with each other. And we can verbally encourage each other to live a life of holiness. We don't have to make it awkward anymore. 
We don't have to be like, ah, don't, 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 we don't say the H word. Just don't say the H word. Like, it's awkward, but don't say it. You know, like, holy, you know, just, we don't have to do that anymore. We can actually celebrate and encourage one another to live a life of holiness. And I don't know about you, but I want God to do amazing things. I want to feel awesome inside, and I want him to do amazing things. I come to discover this the hard way, but if, if we don't fear God, we don't fear sin. And if we come to that place, we're in deep trouble. So I have to ask this, that if we desire to have shared journey, then we have to ask ourselves this question, do we want presence or blessing for the journey? Because there is a difference. See, my, my kids and I, we have this amazing dynamic. And, and I'm just going to brag on them for a minute because they're my kids and I can do that. But I love my daughters. I'd do anything for them. And they love my presence. And I'm not bragging and being like, they love my presence. You know, it, it's, but it's this thing that, that we carry between each other, that they love my presence and I love their presence. And they have this thing that when I come home every day, it doesn't matter what they're doing. If they're watching television or they're coloring in their books, all of a sudden I hear, daddy. And it's just, it doesn't stop. It, it, it doesn't stop until they have physically touched me. And they cry out, Daddy! And they're all excited and they come running. And, you know, I've got all my stuff and I'm like trying to strip it off as fast as I can just so I can get to, you know, and, and they hug me and they kiss me and my little one, she's like, you know, that's her new thing. You know, which means give me a kiss. And so I always, always give over to that because I want them to know that, yes, I'm aware that you are missing my physical presence and I acknowledge it and I tell them and say, I value you. And I know you value my presence, so I give it back. Now, what if I would change things up? Let's just say, this week I changed things up. And so instead of coming home every day, what I do is I send a picture of myself. <laughs> that is a rare photo, by the way. It is for sale if you, you know. <laughs> that was a Servieri moment. You know, those crazy things go on at Servieri. You need to... Need to, need to go there. But anyway, what if I would just not show up and I would just post a picture by the door every day? Right? Change the dynamic, wouldn't it? Probably we wouldn't hear any more, Daddy! They probably wouldn't come running. Right? Because they just grow accustomed to seeing my picture. Because my picture really doesn't do anything. It lets you know that I'm alive. It knows, lets you know that, that, yes, this is my place. But at the end of the day, it's not my presence. And they can benefit from the blessings of my presence. They can benefit from the fact that they have food to eat. They can benefit from the blessing that, that they, they have a place to sleep and they have clothes and so on and so forth. They, they can benefit from the, from the blessings are you following me? Following where I'm going with this? Same thing with God, right? Are we just satisfied with, with pictures of God as a community? Are, are, are we just satisfied with his blessings? 
Are we just satisfied with the fact that we made it through another week? Are we just satisfied that we have a, a building that we can come together and worship and, and not really be persecuted for, for singing our songs and saying his name? Are, are, we, are we just satisfied with the fact that we had transportation to get here today? Are, are we satisfied with those blessings and, and we're good with that? And we're like, hey, we're good with the pictures of God. Or as a community, do we want to be like Israel and we hunger and thirst and say, the, the blessings are great, but oh man, we can't go anywhere. We need your presence. I need your presence when I go to work tomorrow at GE. I need your presence at Erie Insurance. I need your presence at home with my kids. I need your presence when I go to work. I need your presence at Wegmans. I need your presence. Joshua 6, 13 through 13 says this. Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests to carry the Ark of the Covenant when they reach the edge of the Jordan's waters. Go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you. And he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Pezzarites, Girgashites, Amorites, and the Jebusites. See the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. Awesome sauce. <laughs> Did you just hear all that cool stuff? That's because of the presence of God. It wasn't the presence of Israel. It's the presence of God. Israel wasn't satisfied with just the blessings. They weren't satisfied until they had the presence of God. The blessings are great. Don't get me wrong. I, I enjoy the blessings as much as all of you enjoy the blessings of God. But at the end of the day, I want the presence. And as communities, as a community who follows after Jesus, and we journey together, do we want to be a community that settles for the blessings or settles for the presence? And, and let, me, let me just state this, because as I process this, do we really know what we're asking when we cry out for the presence of God? I thought about that. Because in scripture, we see here that when the presence of God was present, things physically changed. Waters stopped moving. People consecrated themselves and desired to live a holy life. That's the Jordan River today. That wasn't like a little stream. <laughs> it stopped and the water miraculously backed up in heaps 
because the presence of God was on the scene. And so when we begin to ask for the presence of God and he shows up, things will begin to change. Things will begin to change in our lives. Things will begin to change in your workplace. Things will be able to begin to change here as a community. And so when things begin to change outside and we bring that inside and that begins to change, it's going to really mess with us. And let me tell you what, if, because God has an order, (laughs) if we're not comfortable with him going ahead of us, and if we're not comfortable saying, God, you know what, have me, consecrate me so that I can be used of you and feel awesome, and if we're not ready to be like, hey, I want more of your presence, I tell you what, you're going to be very unhappy. (laughs) And God isn't going to wait for you. Let me just say this, and this is no pun intended. I'm just stating scriptural, scriptural reference here. And I mean this as a whole across the community of Christ. We see with Israel that the older generation did nothing but complain before God because they didn't like what he was doing. And if you notice in scripture, the older generation does not make it into the promised land. He killed them. Now, I'm not saying if you're against God, he's going to kill you, (laughs) okay? I'm just saying, don't mess with him. Don't mess with him. When we journey together, he's calling us into these places that he wants us to go. And we got to submit ourselves to this so that he can do bigger and greater things. And in order for us to get to that place of sharing our journeys as a community, we must understand that shared journey requires shared action. Okay, so this, this is a response here. So I'm expecting a response from you. So Pastor Jack, right? When he's here every week, he comes up and, and he'll ask you this question and he'll say, who are we? And we say what? Okay. So when Pastor Jack's up here, he says, asks us a question, he says, who are you? And then everyone responds. Okay. So we're followers of Jesus. Then the next thing he asks us and says, what do we do? So what do we do? Okay. So we're followers of Jesus, right? And we do life together, right? Okay. Here's what it comes down to. It's a great phrase, great call to action, great stuff. But without any personal or corporate action of it, it absolutely means nothing but a couple of nice sentences on paper. If we want to be followers of Jesus, that starts with us personally. And if we do life together, that takes action meaning that as a community, we do it together. Joshua 3.14 says this. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Underline that phrase, broke camp to cross. 
Now, I'm not going to drop any Hebrew on you and be like, this means that and this means this. Just, I just want you to like underline broke, camped, cross. Because this is important. It's this simple. They had to take action together. That's it. I know, deep revelation, right? <laughs> they had to do it together. They had to break camp together. Israel didn't talk about it. They didn't stand around and be like, hey, won't it be great when someday we all just, you know, tear down our tents like Joshua said to do, and won't it be awesome when we all consecrate ourselves? (laughs) That will be the day, won't it? Oh, man, I'm even wondering what it's going to be like to cross that Jordan when that Ark of the Covenant goes forward. I mean, that's going to be a sight to see. I mean, do you think we can do some selfies with that while we're on the, on the bank? You know, so Maybe we can tweet about it or something. Man, can you imagine like, what it's going to be like? We're going to tear down our tents. And we're going to get over there into the promised land. And it's just going to, I can't imagine. It's probably going to be a good time. No. It says they broke camp. They broke camp and they crossed over. It wasn't a good story to them. It wasn't just something to talk about around the fire. They were excited. It was burning within them because they understood what they went through together. They only knew that they could get through if they did it together. They couldn't do it on their own. They couldn't go solo. They couldn't go rogue. They had to do it together. They had to tear down their camp. They had to pack up and they had to move out together. They didn't have these little Coleman tents, you know, these little one pop-up things. You know, like nowadays you just push a button, it's boop, and it's up. You know, they didn't have those. It took a community to put up every tent because of family and supplies and all these. So they had to do it together. They shared the journey together. And it was there in the wilderness where the Lord taught them how to thrive as a nation. It was there in the wilderness that Lord, the Lord took them from being individuals to being a community. It was there in the wilderness that they began to share their stories, that they began to share their experiences, began to value one another. And when we begin to share our stories, when we begin to share our experiences, when we begin to value one another, then shared journeys will be created. And we will have a desire to take action. And the best thing out of all of it is that God will get the glory. Works of darkness will begin to be destroyed. The kingdom of God will begin to advance in our homes and in our lives, on our campuses, at our schools, in the marketplace, anywhere we plant our feet. But it won't happen until the Lord goes first, until we're willing to consecrate ourselves for him to do amazing things. Until we hunger for his presence over his blessing. And we choose to take action together instead of by ourselves. Let us stand. Last week, Pastor Nicole left us with a very powerful challenge. And she talked about speaking encouragement to each other. So this morning, I want to pray and declare encouragement over you. And so if you want to receive that, 
I'm going to encourage you to take a posture of receiving. You can simply be opening your hands. If you're not comfortable with that, keep your hands in your pockets. If you don't want to receive encouragement from me, just cross your arms, and then I'll skip over you. Just kidding. <laughs> but I'm going to encourage you just to close your eyes. Nothing weird is going to happen. No one's going to bother you. Just take a moment. Forget about your lunch plans. Forget about who's around you. Just, just let this be you and God, and allow him to speak into your life. So in the name of Jesus, I declare that you are whole. I declare that the shame on you is broken off. I declare that the Lord sees no regrets. But he declares over you that you are loved and that you are his beloved. And even when you don't feel like it, the Lord smiles over you. And he delights in you. And he dances over you. And the Lord sings songs over you. Songs that are only for you, between you and him. And the Lord encourages you you're not a mess up. You're exactly who he created you to be. You're not on hold. You're moving. You feel like you don't know where you're going, but he does. He's proud of you. He enjoys you. You're not messed up. You're a beautiful masterpiece being made even greater for what he has. You're not rejected by him, and he hears your words. And he smiles when you ask, smiles when you cry. He smiles when you hurt because it's just more opportunity to love you. He has not left you, and he never will, because he promised. Now may you go this week under the smile of God. May you move in the authority that Jesus has deemed us. May you operate in the kindness and the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. And when you lack words, may he give them to you. And may we operate in a place of shared journey together, valuing one another. Amen. Have a great week.